0: With many publicly traded gaming companies recently releasing quarterly earnings reports for the first 3 months of 2021, and with many outlets doing features that focus on looking ahead and predicting the rest of the year, I thought I would follow Nintendo's lead and go to the blue ocean, and this means that it's time to basically do an earnings report for video gaming as a whole or grade the first quarter. When trying to figure out the report card of gaming for 2021, there will be many factors that contribute. We've had some fun announcements, there have been some high profile delays, both short and some indefinite, and we have seen some great releases that have been giving us great games to play. And these are the factors that rose to prominence when trying to decide how to lay out the 2021 first quarter earnings reports for video games. This is the Video Games Podcast. When actually living through the first quarter, it certainly seemed like it was a dry period for gaming releases as it typically is, and I know for myself personally, it seemed like a good opportunity to play a few games for my backlog. However, when actually listing out all the games that were released during the first three months of the year, there are some great games that came out in a period that has been traditionally a little slower. I can't spin any yarn for January as that was a very slow month with the exception of Hitman 3 which made waves due to its excellence but also due to the dryness of new games. And with news coming late 2020 that IO Interactive was going to be exclusively developing a James Bond game, many were interested to see what kind of farewell the studio would give Agent 47 before moving on to Agent 007. Hitman 3 released on January 20th and after experimenting with the episodic nature of Hitman 2016 and then changing publishers for Hitman 2, the newly rebooted franchise had gained a cult following and then a very strong word of mouth, and the discussion around the excellence of Hitman series in addition to a great release window and quarantine still being a major part of everyday life added up to a fantastic launch. Hitman 3 has an 86 review average, and despite its early calendar release, Hitman 3 should likely be mentioned in many Game of the Year discussions. Hitman 3 also finally commercially broke through in a major way. Approximately a week after the release of Hitman 3, IOI announced that Hitman 3 had already recouped development costs. After the release of Hitman 2016, things fell apart with Square Enix and IOI became independent and somehow retained the rights to the series. And In 2018, Hitman 2 was published by WB Interactive and due to underperformance, ended the partnership after that game. And This all led to IOI deciding to self-publish Hitman 3, which meant that not only was the studio most at risk, but they were also in control of every decision and had the most to gain. The Nintendo Switch had a strong first quarter quietly with releases for many different gamers and on February 12th one of the last remaining holdouts and arguably the best from the Wii U ports finally made its way to the Nintendo Switch. Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury came to the hybrid system not only as an improved version of the original but with an open world Mario concept that takes large levels in Odyssey even farther. In true Mario nature, both games were a blast to play. It was a joy to hop back into 3D World and it was fun to explore Bowser's Fury and the potential that could come from a fully realized open world Mario game. Although, there were some things that weren't ideal, such as Bowser becoming a nuisance pretty quickly and it sometimes being hard to understand where you should be looking for that last star, although it was still a great starting point and a natural evolution of Odyssey should the series continue to go down that path. The Nintendo Switch also saw a few other big third-party releases in the first quarter with Bravely Default 2 in late February and Monster Hunter Rise in late March. Although Bravely Default 2 landed a little divisive based on the reviews, it does currently have a review average of 76 with many loving the game. Monster Hunter Rise on the other hand was a Nintendo Switch exclusive and the first Monster Hunter game to release since the mainstream breakthrough. Monster Hunter World. Rise has been both a critical and commercial success with a review average of 88, and without spoiling too much from sales, Rise was also the second best-selling game of March with less than a week of sales, and after just a few days on the market, it is now the second best-selling game in the series behind only Monster Hunter World. If you are more of a fan of indies, then there was plenty to seek your teeth into during the first quarter. There are always indies that take over the mainstream, whether that be for a few days, a few weeks, or permanently. Recent independent titles that have risen above the rest include Among Us and Hades, and this year... We have already seen two games come out of nowhere, including Valheim, which was released into Early Access at the start of February, and Loop Hero, which came out at the start of March. And both games are PC exclusive at the moment, but they did garner enough attention. There were also two other independent titles that felt much bigger than they were. Disco Elysium The Final Cut finally arrived on console with plenty of attention after receiving many nominations and awards, and it was a little harder for Disco to fly under the radar. The other quasi-independent game was It Takes Two from Joseph Ferris and Hayes Light Studios and published by EA as part of EA's original. And these games aren't traditionally independent games, but they are the next best thing. And If you're unfamiliar with EA Originals, it's an initiative within EA to pick a few independently developed games that they think deserve extra attention due to the quality. EA has publicly said, beyond our initial investment in bringing the titles to market, all profits go into the hands of the studios that make them. And I'm not sure why EA chooses to do this. Maybe it's because they are looking to create more goodwill on the EA brand, or maybe it's some kind of tax write-off somewhere. But if that was the case, then they would likely just publish more than just one or two a year. And Joseph Ferris has echoed EA's statements in the past near the release of The Way Out. He said, EA is not making a single dollar. Back to the topic at hand, It Takes Two was a critical darling out of the gate receiving praise across the board. It Takes Two is currently sitting at an 89 review average and what we didn't know until just recently is that It Takes Two is also a commercial success as Halo8 Studios posted the great news on social media. It Takes Two has sold over a million copies in just under a month of availability, which technically means that over 2 million people have played the game since it came out as it comes with a friend pass that allows you to play it with someone who actually doesn't own the game. This is great news because in the recently released NPD report, It Takes Two was only the 8th best-selling game of March only on Xbox. It didn't place in the top 10 on PlayStation and It Takes Two didn't even make the top 20 overall best-selling games for the month of March. So it was a little worrisome that the critically acclaimed game that was trying to keep Fall Co-op alive didn't succeed commercially. Overall, for new game releases for the first quarter of 2021, it would have to be somewhere around a B+. Video game delays are commonplace. It may be very unfortunate that a game that you were anticipating got delayed, but based on my research. It's actually for the best. I gathered some data based on some high-profile delays over the past generation. However, if you're just looking for the Coles notes on the subject, the average delay is only around four months. Eight out of ten winners of the Consensus Game of the Year have been games that were delayed. The average review score is improved by 15%, and the average review score falls between 86 and 91% for a delayed game. And as you can see, if a game that you are looking forward to gets delayed, it's actually a great thing. And on top of all of these reasons that show how great the game will improve, it also hopefully allows the studio a little respite from working too hard. Delays fall into a few different categories. You have short delays, which would be around 4 months and under. Then you have your longer delays, which range anywhere between 4 months and under 12 months. And then after that, you just have very long or indefinite delays, which usually indicate that there is a much bigger problem than just working out a few last-minute bugs and adding some polish. In the first three months of 2021, there has already been a fair amount of delays, which, based on everything we've heard from last year... There weren't many delays last year because those games were close to the finish line. The major effects from 2020 are likely to be felt beginning this year and for at least a couple years until studios fully adapt to new working environments or things return somewhere closer to normal. In terms of very long or indefinite delays, we have Gran Turismo 7, which is to be expected from Polyphony, who have always been very behind on meeting release dates. Need for Speed got delayed from late 2021 until 2022, but this was less about a problem with the game, as Criterion is back in charge of the series, which sounded promising, but this delay is more about EA shifting Criterion onto Battlefield 6 as they are throwing everything they can at that series to make sure it launches on time and in great shape. Gotham Knights, the highly anticipated new co-op superhero game from WB Montreal, was delayed out of 2021 and into 2022. And one of the reasons that this game was highly anticipated is that the last game from WB Montreal was Batman Arkham Origins for the Wii U, PlayStation 3, and Xbox 360 way back in 2013. The game scored in the range from 7s to 9s, and likely a major reason for the lower scores was that they were in the shadow of Rocksteady, and this was going to be their first venture since that release that was based on their own design within the DC Universe. In terms of short delays that fall under that 4 month window, Returnal, the upcoming PlayStation 5 exclusive from Housemark and one of our most anticipated games of the year based on the studio's arcade pedigree combined with the time loop story and the roguelite mechanics was pushed back from a late March release until April 30th. Outright Outriders was delayed from early February until April 1st, and this seemed to pay dividends for the series as they were able to improve upon the demo based on the feedback that they received. And just based on a few days of early pre-order releases, Outriders was able to become the third best-selling game of March, according to the NPD report, and also it was available on Game Pass. Deathloop, the PlayStation 5 exclusive from Dishonored developer Arcane Leon, was delayed for just under four months, as it will now be released in September, hopefully, as this was the second delay for the anticipated ultra-stylish time-loop shooter. Back for Blood, the spiritual successor to Left 4 Dead developed from Turtle Rock Studios. The team behind the original co-op shooter before they left Valve was also delayed uh, from late June until early October. The alpha that they released was very well received by fans and critics that were able to get access to it and delaying the game for just a few months for some last minute tweaks bodes well. There are a lot of delays that happened in the first three months of the year, but there is always a lot of game delays that happen, especially now after Cyberpunk 27 released the way it did on consoles. Overall, most of the games that were delayed only received small delays which will hopefully translate to better sales and higher scores, and overall, game delays will get a grade of A And finally, that brings us to video game news and announcements for the first quarter of 2021. When trying to figure out a good way to break down the news from the first quarter, looking at many of the stories, they naturally fall into categories for each major platform. Nintendo, Xbox, and PlayStation all had some great stories during the early parts of the year. Starting with Xbox and every story revolving around Game Pass, which makes sense because we had an article explaining that Microsoft will stop at nothing to make Game Pass the Netflix of games. Late last year, Microsoft announced the purchase of ZeniMax Media, which for all intents and purposes meant that they now own Bethesda and all of its studios. However, it wasn't until the deal finalized in March that we started to see the early implications of how this deal might look moving forward. First... Once the ink dried and the deal was finalized, Game Pass saw the addition of 20 Bethesda titles instantly bolstering an already very strong value proposition for Game Pass. And shortly after the deal finalized and the games were added to Game Pass, the heads of Xbox and Bethesda sat down to talk about the deal moving forward. Phil Spencer, head of Xbox, said that with the addition of Bethesda Creative Teams, gamers should know that Xbox consoles, PC, and Game Pass will be the best place to experience new Bethesda games, including some new titles in the future that will be exclusive to Xbox and PC players. And it's hard to extrapolate exactly what that carefully thought out statement means, but at the very least, there is going to be a lot of Xbox exclusivity of Bethesda titles moving forward game pass also had a few other surprise tricks up its sleeve early this year and the first was the announcement that outriders the early year anticipated third person loot based cover shooter that isn't quite a live service game was going to be coming to game pass on day one and this was a pleasant surprise that came only a few weeks before the release of the game it likely helped the game as outriders felt like it fell into the category of likely wouldn't play or try it but since it's on game pass people might give it a try and by the sounds of it They're pleasantly surprised it didn't hurt Outriders because despite launching on April 1st, Outriders was still the third best-selling game on PlayStation and Xbox for the month of March, according to the NPD report, and it even became the 10th best-selling game of 2021 in the first quarter which has to be based on the sales of pre-order copies. The other big Game Pass news was that MLB The Show 21 was going to be coming to the Microsoft subscription service. We already got great news earlier in the year that the gold standard for simulation baseball that has been a PlayStation exclusive was now coming to Xbox, but in addition to that, was now going to be on Game Pass on day one. Microsoft likely spent a few dollars to make this deal happen, but not only did Microsoft have a baseball game that wasn't Super Mega Baseball or RBI, they now had the best baseball game on Game Pass. On the PlayStation front, they announced a new slew of games that would be available completely free as part of the Sony Play at Home initiative. In addition to some of the free games that Sony offered in 2020, they would now be offering some games like 2016's Ratchet and & Clank and Horizon Zero Dawn Complete Edition. And both of these titles very smart additions to the play at home due to their hopeful upcoming 2021 new entries. Adding these free games is great goodwill, but it also might spark interest in the series for those that are picking them up for the first time. The PlayStation announcement that got me excited was the news that the next generation of PSVR is officially in development with development kits being sent out already. I was a huge fan of PlayStation VR for the first year or so, but quickly felt the limitations of the system, including the way it hooked up to your PlayStation 4 the amount of wires that attach to the headset and the move controllers that put a limit on the immersion and i understand why they did that in order to keep the cost down on the system and make it mainstream that they had to make some concession and i think it worked as the playstation br is likely the best-selling virtual reality system so far the next generation of playstation vr that doesn't have a title yet will now have new controllers that have been built from the ground up for vr that can detect specific individual finger movements and the other great feature is that the new headset will only connect to the playstation with one wire and although they didn't say just how big this wire would be And it won't be wireless, which is a little unfortunate, but these are all major improvements from the first iteration. And considering the limitations of PlayStation VR, that was a very good product. Nintendo also made headlines earlier this year with their first Nintendo Direct in 532 days. And while we didn't get everything we wanted there were still some highlights and a little something for everybody. Easily, the highlight for me was the new Mario Golf game that is due out in June, but some other highlights included the follow-up to Project Octopath, the Splatoon 3 reveal, the Skyward Sword switch port, and a few other smaller details, but unfortunately nothing on the level that many were hoping for. Nonetheless, it was still good to see Nintendo break the dry spell for mainline Nintendo Directs. Overall, for video game news and announcements for the first quarter... I'd give it a grade of A+. Many have called 2021 the year of the backlog, and while I think that might always be the case, it's not always a bad thing to catch up on some hidden gems that you may have missed because there were just too many games to play. But when putting things into perspective and looking back at the first three months of the year, there was plenty of great games that were released, some great news, And the delays weren't too bad. Most of what we would come to expect this year still seems like it's on track for this year. And looking at the second quarter, it still looks like a great time to be a gamer. And when finally giving the video game first quarter of 2021 a final grade, it has to be an A. That's all for the Video Games Podcast for this week. Thank you for listening. Hopefully you enjoyed. And when things are put into perspective, you can see just how good of a first quarter it was for video games. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, please consider doing so. And remember to be nice to your fellow gamer. But more importantly, be nice to your fellow human.